Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Weekly Network Podcast. It's part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Uh, we're on Season 2, Episode Lucky Number 13, which is probably the luck we're feeling from today's uh, LA game. So we're recording. Uh, uh, well, here, let's do intro first. I'm AJ. And I'm Dave. <laughs> it's just the two of us. Everybody else got so upset at that game, they just rage quit. Um, totally kidding. Uh, Carlo and Dave both, or Carlo and Eric, sorry, had both had things to do. <laughs> and my brain is not working um, fully today. Yeah. Uh, uh, mine's a little bit mush today too, with all the sh- crap going on. Yeah, yeah, it's just a crazy uh, time of year, I guess. Uh, but yeah, so uh, before we get into it for for today, we're recording right after this uh, the LA Kings game on Sunday that uh, Vegas just lost by two. So a uh, little bit somber mood this afternoon, but um, but we do have some cool news for uh, all of our listeners, and uh, just wanted to give a big shout out to the. Uh, we're all a little crazy podcast that's uh, coming out on the Ho- Hockey Podcast Network. So it's actually with uh, Theo Fleury, uh, Darren Rovell, and uh, Eric Cusson. Uh, so basically, they're covering uh, mental health, sports, society experiences, and, and you know education around all of that. But it's uh, these are all some of the members of the Same Here movement. Um, for, so for all the Golden Knights listeners, obviously, that has a massive tie into Robin Leonard and his mental health journey. So. Um, in the past week, we saw Robin Leonard give a really incredible presser. Um, you know, he'd been out for a concussion. Some idiots uh, on social media decided that he had a relapse, and that was their theory as to why he was actually out. Um, so he just straight up came out and said it and was like, you know what? No, I had a concussion. Here's all the details. It's sad that I have to talk about it this way because people don't trust the, my words. And so essentially, he was just calling out everything, but giving himself a really big platform to talk about mental health and, and the whole same here movement that he's part of. So really, really empowering. Um, sucks that it had to be done under those circumstances because people are, are dicks. But at the same time, you know what, it, it just kind of furthered his platform. So in that in that sense, you know, I as a side note, I, I DM a lot with the same here account on Twitter. Um, I think it's Eric that runs that really great guy. Uh, we talked just hockey and overall mental health stuff. And, and one of the things that they pointed out to me and, and it was absolutely spot on is, you know, if there weren't all these dumb people saying dumb things, then Robin Leonard would have much less of a platform. So I, I thought that was so valuable to think of it that way, but still like, come on, screw those people. Like really you're gonna, this guy's battled his way into this league after dealing with, you know, mental health and substance abuse issues, which is also, you know, mental health issue. And, uh, and you can't give him the benefit of the doubt when he actually has a concussion. What, what, what's your thoughts on all that that situation? Well, we've all heard the phrase, you know, when you make assumptions, you make an ass out of yourself most of the time. And that's what a lot of people did. You know, yeah, we, we get there's a platform out there where people say, oh, no, I got freedom of speech. I can say what I want. But people also have to realize that freedom of speech also comes with consequences when you say things that are untrue and can lead to. Uh, misconceptions and wrong conclusions about people or things or circumstances. I mean, people just, they, they need to check themselves. Okay. You know, the team, yeah. it, the team does not like announcing injuries. So we just have to respect that. And instead of making wild accusations, just because of somebody has a, uh, a past does not give anybody the right to say, Oh, that's it's automatically gotta be that. Well, you don't know shit. You aren't there. Yeah, and and you know what's what's interesting is Leonard plays really well against teams that Flurry sometimes struggles against. So I, once once this rotation is back up how it should be, it's just going to give us more tools to win. And 
it seems like we really need those right now because there's just some weirdness happening across you know the lineup and and people having injuries and being out but it's what i what i've noticed is how (laughs) there there is probably five people maybe six or seven on this team that make the team actually as good as they are. Um, and one of those people that we haven't even really experienced that much yet, especially, but, but have felt it this past couple of weeks is, is Petrangelo, um, you know, without Schmidt in, um, you know, Schmidt wasn't remotely as, as close to where Petro is from a, you know, ceiling level of, of their play, but without having somebody as that kind of other top pair defenseman that is more of a defensive responsibility than somebody like a Theodore, I think we felt that, uh, you know, we, we've seen things go look really, really scary in front of Flurry or whoever the goalie is for that game. And, and yeah, just, just seeing that seeing you know, Pacioretty was out for this last uh, LA game. There was no scoring. Um, so I, I hate that it's like really a handful of players that make this team as good as it is, but that's every team, right? I mean, you saw this in all the yeah. different wing wings wins. If one guy was hurt, then it totally changes the outcome. Right. Yeah. I mean, Larkin was out for, you know, a couple of weeks there. And it just, I mean, as bad as they already are, it, just, it made them that much worse. And then at the beginning of the year, they went through COVID protocol that five guys out and all five guys were some kind of, were somebody they could rely on for some scoring. And obviously they have their shit kicked in in those uh, five games and they've been competitive and all the rest, but. Yeah. yeah. So, um, with Flurry and Leonard, you know, you could tell there were some games out there that Flurry was kind of feeling tired out there. I mean, and it's a fact of the schedule though, too. I mean, every team's dealing with it because of compressed schedules. I mean, I'm just glad we're not Dallas and their compressed schedule because they will, they will not for the rest of this year, they will not only have one day off in between games the rest of the season. Yeah. And, and they're, they're feeling that really, really badly right now. <laughs> I, I don't think Dallas is going to make the playoffs. Um, uh, like even if they, even if they have a huge win streak, I, I just, I don't see them making the playoffs now, which is just ironic because that was the reason we didn't get to the final. Yeah, ex- exactly. I mean, I mean, I, I'm watching them right now and it's like now Nashville of Nashville of all teams is controlling the play. What's your thoughts on, like how the I, IIHF does like the world world championship or world junior points um, systems. Like I, I've always felt like a, a three, two, one or, or like one of those other point structures might make more sense. Cause like, sometimes I'm like the, the whole getting nothing out of a regulation loss, but then getting something out of an overtime loss and the way that they do the points, it's similar to that, but it just makes it more confusing when you read the, the standings. Um, I actually did a little research into it a few years ago. Uh, before even before Vegas got their team, they're looking at how the points would change or how the standings would change if we went to a three-point system. And then you got three points for a regulation win, two points for an overtime win. Uh, I think, and I can't remember how exactly how I did it all, but um, the standings actually, ironically, did not change much. You might have had like maybe one team flip-flop for playoffs out of the couple of years that I looked at it. Um, yeah, it's uh, not well, a big change, I don't think. But. No, it, it wouldn't be watching now. Given that, I I would be okay with them going to a three point system. I'd be okay with it. It just like it, like I'm a numbers guy, so you know I work with numbers all day, and for some reason in my head it just makes more sense. Like when you're like, okay, you 
you basically, if you don't, if neither team wins in regulation, they split the maximum allowable number of points for each game. So there's always three points coming out of every game. It just like in my head, that makes so much more sense than just this random one point. If you lose in overtime. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I think it should, I think I, the way I did it was three points for regulation win, two for an overtime win. And I think even only one for a shootout win. I believe, I don't know. I have to go back and look at the numbers. It's been a long time for that. It might actually be two laptops ago. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, it's just one of those things that like I, I was thinking about the other day and I'm like, man, this, this just, it would make more sense from like, if you're an accountant, like it totally makes more sense. You're like, okay, you're not creating a point out of thin air. There's always a finite number and it's just the way it's split between the two teams. And uh, Yeah. And I would be on board with that. I would not be against it at all. Yeah. And I mean, it, like you said, it doesn't really actually make a difference because mathematically they're doing essentially the same thing, but it's just, it, it's weird to me sometimes. Um, yeah. But yeah. So, I mean, the start of this, this whole uh, last week of games, I mean, well, we went three and one for the whole week. And, and I think Carlo was the one that had said it last week, right? Like the three and one. Um, or yes. was he the one who said three Oh and one? I can't remember which was which. It, well, I didn't say three Oh and one. I think I said three and one. Um. I think it was Carlo who actually said three Oh and one. I think uh, we were all three and one. He was the three Oh and one. I, I knew somebody said the opposite yeah. of everybody else. I just couldn't remember which one it was, which, but yeah, I mean, we, I think we were all right. We knew that somebody was going to steal a game and we knew Vegas couldn't just continuously sustain all this with all the injuries they've had, like all the people out. Um, but I, I thought some of these games are pretty interesting. Um, obviously <laughs> San Jose had some, <laughs> had some some good uh good games actually um you know they came within one goal on each of those games granted one of them was 2-1 but the the 5-4 game like er- eric carlson just decided to play well again from what i saw like he's well like, maybe yeah. since this little quote saying uh it's like i don't want to be on a part of a rebuild maybe that lit a fire under his own ass if i'm used hey i better step up or something well, yeah, if I was the coach or GM of the Sharks and he said that, I'd be like, well, that counts you, idiot. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. And you're 11.5 million or whatever it is. Yeah, so I mean, that first, the first, uh, you know, the Monday Sharks game, um, I, I, I didn't feel like they were ever really in trouble. It was just a, a tight game. You know, Flurry was doing a great job. I'm sure we all yeah. wanted to see another shutout. As, especially in the first period. That first period, you know, they, they just come back from the long road trip, six-game road trip. They had no legs in the first period at all. I mean, San Jose, I mean, that it could have been a lot worse in the first period if it wasn't for Flurry on that one. Yeah. And events in the second period, it, it flip-flopped. Vegas got their legs. Uh, they got their game going. They and they they were just dominating chances in that in that second period. Dubnik was good. Like he he was he was good both games, actually. Um, uh, you know, but that game, like, you know, Timo Meyer had that had the the Sharks goal toward the end of the game, um, you know, and they, they just, you know, kept it, kept it two one team did their job. Everybody, everybody was happy with that one. And then the Wednesday game just got crazy. <laughs> was, it, what the hell? A weird game. I mean, you had stone and Marshall fighting Ryan Reeves scoring goals. You know, is it, this is like you were in a backwards world in that game. And, and not only did stone fight, he fought Tomas hurdle who had never fought in the NHL ever. Like literally ever uh, stone. We've seen him fight like randomly. And, and I don't know what sets stone off to fight. Cause he always fights the most interesting people. It's never like somebody else's enforcer or big type. It's like, you know, he fought Roman Yossi that one year and, and looked like a 
freaking animal standing on top of him afterward. And then this time he fights, you know, the most finesse player who probably honestly should really be wearing that C for San Jose. Well, so, Hurdle, I mean, from the replay I saw, it was like actually a Hurdle who initiated the fight as well, too. So I just I just wonder what was going on because Poacher fights uh, Marshall later on. So it's like, I think I said in our group text, I said, it seems like San Jose is actually trying to fight all our goal scorers to get them off the ice and then maybe just try to keep Vegas from, from coming back. Yeah. The problem Which is, is you know, they, used, they used their own goal scorers to do said things, but, but like, you know what it was that I think I, I read somewhere is that I think stone hit somebody behind a play and hurdle didn't like it. And that's what caused okay. all that. And then, okay. and then obviously I'm sure Marchie was running his mouth to couture and it didn't make anything better. Well, Couture's got his own little temper, though, too. So, um, yeah, they, they both not quite like Marchie, but <laughs> yeah, both both uh, Couture and, and Marchie should probably just stay off social media. <laughs> I completely agree. <laughs> but but yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> Reeves getting the goal though just was the cherry on top of all that, especially against San Jose. Like like it was it was awesome, and and San Jose, you know halfway through that game if you'd asked me if vegas was going to win i i would have said no because they were up like 4-1 at that one point and then just yep. never scored a goal again yep um uh, yeah i do believe it was four to one no no uh yeah four to one never mind. i'm thinking of a different game they were up four one and then the third period uh glass gets that one up a power play because that seems to be the only time class ever scores um rebound off shea theodore's shot and then then, then you had the stone and hurdle fight, which you just talked about. And then a nice little hagger bomb, but not long after uh, Glass's goal. And then we had a tie game and then it was, you know, fun on from then. I, I was really hoping that uh, Revo was going to get the game winning goal. I, I'm sad that it, like, like that, I love that Martinez got a goal, but <laughs> I'm sad that they like got, got another goal for uh, on the San Jose side from that, uh, that Colasar penalty because, oh man, it, like social media would have blown up if Ryan Reeves got the game winner. Yeah. So actually it was, it was three, one at one point we tied it. That's right. We tied it later on because uh, Kane got that goal towards the end because Colasar was off and it yeah. was just like moments after Colasar went in the box. So. Ah, oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. But, but yeah, either way, that was a, that was a, one of the weirder games I, I think I've ever seen like, <laughs> like from Vegas. It was just, so weird what was going on uh, and yep. man it, so it must have been fun for things. for the fans that were in t-mobile that night though yeah so many unexpected things so but yeah definitely uh the crowd should have really enjoyed that one and then we went to to uh la for the weekend so friday leonard had his first start again since uh february 7th so pretty much over a little over a month at that point almost a month and a half um I thought he was fine, uh, especially for being out that long and, and, uh, you know, just basically coming back uh, for that game, man, that he, he did. Okay. He, he led in his usual two goals. Uh, can't complain. No, he had no complaints on, on him uh, about that game at all. Um, you know, and he was a backup in the previous game, but nobody ever expected him to go in no matter what happened. But, and the only practice he had is just, you know, he had a little bit with the Henderson team. Then he, when Vegas returned from the road trip, then he finally got back on the ice with the guys, but obviously no game action for a month and a half, basically. So something I want to request from the Vegas Golden Knights and, and the league is to always have a camera on Leonard during the time in which 
there's either a goal against him, which usually there is a camera on him, or when Vegas scores a goal. Because either way, if you ever watched Leonard, he celebrates with the team from his own goal. Like, like he and he always looks super like metal doing whatever celebration or sad poses that he does. Like, if he lets a goal in, he like looks at the sky and is, and looks like he's like roaring or something. And then he does like that with both arms up when they score. So he's just yep, yep, yep. I, I love how uh, physically you can see his emotions when he and it just based on his body language when he's out there. And like the, the, the one that stuck out was the first goal against with LA uh, on, on Friday. Like as soon as it goes in, he just stands up and just looks straight up like, uh. Yeah. He, he seems to do that a lot. He looks up and he probably just growls at himself. He's like, God, you know, God damn it or something. And yeah, but yeah I've noticed that quite a bit. And, and then versus Flurry, who who usually does his little skate loop, unless he's really pissed, and then he starts breaking stuff. <laughs> yep, I wonder how many sticks he's actually broken over his career. Uh, I, I would probably say quite a few. Um, it, he does it at least once or twice a season, usually, um, and it's usually a game where he gets pulled. Um, so, yep. but I don't think he did it during that Minnesota game. I think he just like that one where they pulled him and put Thompson in for a few like the, the last few minutes. I think he was just tired that day from playing so much. Maybe, maybe. I think he did throw his stick, but I don't think he actually broke it when he did. I, I also think maybe they're like the sticks, like every year have new materials that is like more and more like carbon fiber and stuff. So they're probably getting harder to snap in half. Yeah, no kidding. Especially how thick a goalie stick is. Well, yeah. And then if you watch like some of the, the outtakes of the 500 different times that Tuka Rask has uh, tried to break his stick, like <laughs> about like 10% of the time it doesn't successfully break. And then he just like throws it and storms away. It all reminds me of Eddie Belfour when he played for Chicago and Dallas all those years ago. I mean, he was a hothead. I mean, he would even get pissed at his own teammates if he got in the way and, you know, screened them on a shot or, you know, stuck his their sticks up. He said he hated it when his teammates stuck a stick out and he would get pissed at him for that. Sounds like uh, Patrick Watt too then. <laughs> He's a, a little bit. Pat, Patrick wasn't too bad, but Belfort, oh my God, I I love beating him, man, because he just because of his temper. <laughs> yeah, it's a uh, goalies are a whole other breed, <laughs> for sure. So uh, let's let's briefly brush on uh, today's game, and and then we can uh, just talk about a little bit more Vegas, and then we'll go around the league. And we'll, like I said, this will be probably about a thirty minute overall podcast. So uh, the only thing I think we have to say about today's game is it was probably one of the worst this season um, for, for Vegas. I mean, that's not saying much because Vegas is so damn good. Oh, oh my God. They've lost seven games in regulation the whole season. Yeah. And like Eric has said numerous times, like we're, we're not sweeping anybody all season long, but it, we probably won't even sweep San Jose in the season series either. So I mean, yeah, it sucks. We lost, you know, get a bad game out every once in a while. Just get them out before the playoffs hit and then, you know, keep the pace up for winning three games out of four. And then, you know, if you continue that pace for the playoffs, you're going to be pretty damn good. Oh, yeah. And I mean, like, like, let's be honest, which would you prefer us losing today to the Kings or us losing tomorrow to St. Louis if we could only lose one? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, St. Louis is up and down. And, you know, they're probably they're going to be a little bit upset. They won't be ready to play us because then last time we played them, that that was a comeback game, wasn't it? Yeah. Last time we played them was the first time we had ever beat them in regulation. Yes. 
and then the one before that, we beat them in overtime for like the eight millionth time in, since since you know Vegas started as a team. <laughs> I was gonna say it's like seventy five percent of the Blues Knights games seem to go to overtime. So tomorrow, or somebody tomorrow, comes back. Yeah, and, and tomorrow Leonard is probably gonna, uh, obviously going to be in net. I I almost wish that they had put Leonard in net for both these LA games. Fleury does not play his best against LA, um, which honestly, so so one observation from today, Fleury did not want to freeze that puck. Um, and, and then fumbled it a bunch of times saying, I don't want to freeze that puck. Well, one of the reasons I think he didn't want to freeze that puck is because set plays in the offensive zone off the draw with LA are like Flurry's kryptonite. He has let so many goals in over the past three or four seasons from those set plays. And he, he, I think he knows it. He's like, I don't want them to face off in the offensive zone right now. So he was trying to keep the puck moving, I think. Yeah. And if memory serves me right, LA's always been a good face-off team or set plays off, you know, as well, too. It's always Dowdy. It's it's usually Dowdy, you know, s- sitting in sitting in his office, uh, you know, b- behind the, the face-off circles and yep. and, uh, and always just has it lined up. Somebody always puts the, the puck on his tape, he shoots it, and it goes in. Like, I've seen that happen probably, like, 10 times since Vegas started as a team. And that's a lot yep. for just, like, a few years. You got to give Dowdy a little credit today, too, because when they first called that a goal, you know, He's like, no way! I say that. I say that. He was right. So, yeah. I mean, no argument there at all. But I, there was a group text going on telling people for Dowdy to shut up. I'm like, well, yeah, tell him to shut up. But technically, he's right. Yeah, I mean, that was a honestly, that was a really good play by him. Yes, it was. And I, I would say that if he were five years younger and a, a UFA, that's one of the people instead of Petro that Vegas would probably have targeted. Oh, for sure. And he's actually had a halfway decent season, too. Well, imagine I, I actually imagine Dowdy would still be incredible if he were had a team in front of him that was also still incredible. Um, yeah, for sure. Uh, his, his, Burns, numbers, sure. his numbers, his scoring numbers are up there a little bit. Yeah. So I can't remember exactly what they are. I just remember I, <laughs> I know Eric Boyce teases up this, but I brought, picked him up on my fantasy team two weeks ago or last week or something. I was like, hey, wait a minute. These numbers are pretty damn good. Well, it's the same with Burns, right? Like Burns, both those guys, they aren't always the best defensively, but also they are generally usually offensive weapons if you have the right pairings with them. Um, And I I will give Dowdy a lot more defensive credit than I would Burns. Oh, man. I know you would too, so. Yeah, but both of them are are good offensive weapons. and, And even Burns, like you see what Burns does, like, certain times during the season and you're like, man, if he had a like good defensive pair and, and a better team in front of him, that team would be still pretty scary. Yeah. I, I remember even us, you know, raving about a couple moves he's made earlier in the year and like that one goal where he just out like five blues players or whoever. Was they wild. <laughs> it was a wild. Okay. It's I, okay. I remember that. He's like, he just deked around everybody and scored. And it was like net front too. He like walked in deep, like the entire mm-hmm. mild team and then scored a goal. I'm like, why can't we do that? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I mean, Chase had a few things like that, but not quite like that many people around. No, and he did it to the Senators. That's not the same level. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So hopefully exactly. when, well, well, I was going to say when Shay has a man bun and more missing teeth, then it <laughs> would, uh, it maybe he would, deke that many players but he just got his teeth fixed from what i i saw from the the theodore's missing tooth account on uh twitter yeah you know i was watching uh like the, the post game you know like when i was the other night I, I fell asleep kind of in the third year a little bit and then i woke up 
during the post game interviews. But wait a minute, it wasn't the post game interviews directly when it happened. It was the post game during the replay of the game. <laughs> and I'm looking at Shane like, wait a minute, he's got he's got a full set of teeth in his mouth. So I wasn't sure if it was just like, you know, his temporaries or something, or they puts in after a game. But according to uh, Theodore's tooth, that he actually had him on during the game too. That's weird though, because like I know he has one of those like things like Stastny where you just like put it in after the game and you have teeth again. <laughs> yeah, well, that's you know he could afford that little extensive oral surgery. So, yeah, I guess you're right. Um, as we're as we're uh, recording this, I did just see something come in on. Oh yeah, uh, I I thought it was uh, something about pa- Pacioretty's injury, but it just says you know that we miss him. Uh, per DeBoer. Um, now, do you think that Patches is really actually injured or that injured, or do you think that DeBoer is actually resting, guys? I, my gut instinct, like a, a friend of mine, my friend Rob, sent me a text about Patch writing. It was middle when I was outside, you know, doing my stuff on the patio earlier today. Um, and so I had no idea until I saw all these texts. I'm like, wait a minute. There was no word or anything about him even being hurt after the last game. So my instinct was, was, and this was before I listened to the pregame show, that he was just resting them and just giving them rest. And then they said, oh, it was lower body, lower body injury. So I don't know if it's just their excuse to give maybe him a had, rest. Maybe, but maybe he had diarrhea. Like, <laughs> that's lower body. Maybe. maybe. Um, but, yeah, I mean, and, and you know, there was pictures of, of Tuck and Stevenson last game. They were just chilling in, in one of the, you know, closed-off VIP areas. So it's, it's like they're – they're not that injured and they came back the next game. I, I think DeBoer is honestly just resting his, his, you know, top six players that can afford to be rested. I think so too. And talk, I think missed one, but didn't Stevenson miss two? Yeah. Yeah. So Stevenson maybe had something. I think Tuck was straight up just a rest game. Yeah, probably. That'd be my guess as well too. So, I mean, I, am I worried about it? No. Yeah. I mean, if it was a playoff game, I'm sure he would have played. Yeah. So, so I guess, uh, let's, let's move into just some concerns or in positive or plus and minuses for, uh, for Vegas right now. So I, I know you would put up, uh, you know, I think Sinbin had shared that picture that, uh, Petro had a soft cast on. Yeah. You know, he's, they said it was just a cast, but then somebody else, uh, I was having a debate with about it, about Petro. He said, it looks like it was a soft cast. So he's the one who told me it wasn't Sinbin who said it was a soft, but the, the guy I was having a debate with said it was a soft cast. So hopefully that's true. So that means he'll be back sooner than what we hope, but still either way, it sucks. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, it, it is what it is. It happens. It just sucks that it happened uh, on Petro's initial year here. Um, and, it, and like every time that he started to show flashes of how good he's been in, in St. Louis, he got, you know, put in COVID protocol and then he came back. He was he mm-hmm. playing okay for a few games and then he started really showing up again. And then of course, then he got a hand injury of whatever kind, which it sounds like he got hit pretty hard with a puck, which means hopefully yeah. it's a bone bruise and, and that would mean soft cast or, and hopefully it's not a break or a fracture, you know? Yeah. And while I'm thinking about it though, too, I remember lots of people were giving him crap and him being a waste of a, of a cap space this year, but it's just people are expecting way too much. Like he's supposed to be a point, a game player. And especially on the back end, I mean, I looked this up and there's only been 23 players in NHL history as a defenseman that have averaged a point a game, 23 players in, in the entire NHL history. So 
we need to stop expecting him to be a point of game player because he's never has been. He's never been one of them. No, he's been um, six point seven five ish. Um, a point yeah. six mostly though. I mean, he he generally has between. He usually has a year where he's between 50 and 60 points and then a year where he's somewhere in the low 40s. And this would have been a year that he would have been in the low 40s anyway. So I would really expect next year in an 82 game season that he probably would get somewhere close to 60 points. And especially as he becomes more familiar with Vegas' system. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you, you see it though. And, and the biggest thing and the biggest difference, and, and I know everybody that probably listens to our podcast probably already knows these things. Um, but th- he is way better defensively than somebody like Shea Theodore. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's, I mean, that's the main reason why we signed him, not just because of offensive production, but actually his play on the blue line. Yeah. Yeah. And those stretch passes. Oh my God. Every time I see one, I'm like, you can put it on a guy's tape with the perfect amount of speed on the puck, like every single time from across the entire rink. And it looks beautiful every time he does it. Yeah, that one Carlson pass, I think it was, it was just like, okay, that's just, if we can get more of that the rest of this year, holy shit, man. He was behind the goal line at that point, I'm pretty sure. Like, he was all the way back, and he just, he saw where Carlson was going, and was like, I can get it there. <laughs> oh, man. Like, that's that's the that, the dream, right? And and that's the kind of stuff that I feel like is going to happen. I Everybody will probably be back in by playoffs at this point, it sounds like. He, our, this team in playoffs, barring no injuries, knock on wood, oh, I, I, make a little change to the bottom six, I, I think you're going to see something crazy. Those type of passes, too, is what uh, Vegas has just thrived on that first season as well, too. Just yeah. stretching it out and just outskating the defense on the other end and getting breakaways. I mean, that that's what pushed us to the finals that first year. And then now we're kind of getting back to that with, you know, having Petro in and, you know, he gets hurt and hopefully he can uh, fit right back in when he comes back and have very little rust. Yeah. Speaking of uh, other concerns, though, uh, I am concerned at how Glass plays at five and five. It's, I mean, we've been talking about it a lot over the last month or so, maybe even the last two months. It's he only is producing on the power play right now. And, you know, yeah, he's young. He's still developing, and I just, me personally, this is my, my own personal that he's he's pressing too much. This is just my own personal opinion. He's pressing too much. He's maybe maybe he's overthinking. You know, technically this is his sophomore season in a way too because last year he got hurt even though he didn't play much. I don't know if he still qualifies as a rookie this year or not, but it's they they say sophomore slumps for kids, but. I don't, I don't want to give up on him yet. Yeah. No, and I'm not definitely not. Oh, I know. I know you're not, but some people saying it's a waste already. No, no. People like to give up on people when they, you know, you know, they shit their pants one time or something. Well, and that's the thing about like all of our fans and and even some of our media in, in Vegas here is none of us have ever been a general manager for a fucking hockey team or a coach for an NHL team. Right. So, There's something that very clearly people that get paid to do this as an everyday job that, you know, make millions of dollars a year, or at least, you know, somewhere close to that, to literally find these things out and make sure that they're working the right way. Like every now and then you're going to have like a complete miss, but I don't think this is a complete miss. I think this is more of a, maybe Glass ends up developing more on the pace of somebody like a Mark Stone, um, 
who took you know an extra three or four years to really get to where he he, he showed his his potential to what he is today. Um, yeah, exactly. Glass has had very little AHL time at all. I mean, they brought him up right away, and plus we both think though he is too good for the AHL, but maybe he needs a short stint just to clear his mind or just stop pressing so much, stop being worried about it and maybe be a dominant player down there and feel a little more relaxed. If there's one thing that I I would like to see worked on with him, and maybe this is because of the various knee injuries he's had, but his skating looks not great this season compared to what I expected. Uh, He's, he's behind a lot of plays because he can't keep up with the other team. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Definitely the knee injury probably did affect his skating and takes a little bit of time to come back from that because that, I mean, that was a nasty injury. Well, look at Schmidt too. I, I still think that a lot of the reason that Schmidt's, uh, you know, play went so far downhill so quickly was, was because of that knee injury against San Jose at the start of one or two seasons ago. Um, he never skated the same way after that. I completely agree with that. So it, it sucks. You, I, I hate seeing that with any player and, and hopefully glass is so young that, that he has more of a, a chance to really fully recover from those, those type of injuries. Cause I mean, look at somebody like Peyton Krebs who actually had an Achilles injury and he's still killing it now. So fingers crossed. For sure. You know, if, if glass could develop into like a stashing type player, I would be perfectly satisfied with that. Yeah. And, and, you know, Stassing's having a great season up in Winnipeg, but given what he was getting paid, I, I don't think he, he's having a $6.5 million season. No, but as we like to joke around too, I mean, the defense up there is just uh, almost non-existent in some ways. <laughs> he is the defense up there. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. Um, so trade deadline coming up, uh, we don't have to dive into this deep, this, this episode, but any, anything that you think, I, I mean, I think we said bottom six is got to something small is going to happen. Yeah. I'm thinking something small. Um, I could see somebody again, another little, somebody who can score in the third line, not necessarily just the fourth line, but somebody else can, can be not relied on, but has a tendency to be, have the ability to put the puck in the net more often than say, you know, never scoring. <laughs> yeah. As some guys are doing. I mean, the only one who's consistently scoring on that third line is Tuck. And hey, but the entire fourth line just scored a goal in the past three games. Like that 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 is a slight improvement. I, I think that somebody went on Twitter and got upset. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that'd be nice. You know, you'd like to see them pot it, put one in more often. I mean, if you scale it down like a regular season, like what did Reese have last year? Like eight, nine goals, something like that, seven. Yeah, the I, think, I think he had eight or nine and it was a career high in a season. Yeah. And then didn't even finish the season. So his average, I think is like five. So if you scale that out, you know, yeah, he's below his pace for goals, but, and we would like to expect more, but I guess yeah. it is what it is right now. I, the thing I did like though, is that we saw three goals this over the past three games from three different fourth liners and, and that, and in this past game on Sunday, that was the only goal of, of Vegas that game. So they're doing the right things. They're getting to the front of the net. They're, they're, you know, taking pot shots at the front of the net. And, and today's was actually funny because the rebound hit, yep. hit Nozick on in basically back on the chest and then bounced back into the goal. And it was just like one of those weird fluke. Yep. But yeah, I, I mean, sometimes you got to have dumb luck like that. 
and and sometimes you just have to be in front of the net doing dirty things like that in order to get you know dirty not as in dirty play but just dirty net front sort of things to get those kind of rebounds um just those, yeah those lucky kind of bounces yeah so i mean if had had we played more of the game like that we probably would have won it but um but yeah, yeah, so let's let's just quickly. Uh, I'm just going to read through the positives because I think we covered all of these things now. Um, so you know, Theodore got his teeth fixed. <laughs> Leonard won his in his return game. Uh, fourth line had a, actually a few good games now. Not not just not just one anymore. They had they've been consistently improving, which I'm excited about. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously, I'd like to see them be a little more defensively responsible, but you know, they are they are stepping it up a notch. Yeah. Yeah. And, and one thing I will say about that is that there there's been all the reports that that line has been like going to every optional skate. They've been putting in extra time when everybody else gets off the ice for practices. Clearly that's paying off and clearly they knew that they, they felt they were not playing the game they should have been. And they, as the players actually volunteered and opted in to try to fix that. And, and that shows you that we have a team that just likes being here and, and respects each other and wants to play for their team. And they want to do as much as they can to win. Yeah. Yeah. And so the last thing there was the, the power play had a, a few goals this past, uh, the past week. I, I don't feel a hundred percent like it's improving. Um, I think they're still kind of at the same rate they were, but it's not worse. So I guess that's good. I think they a little bit more consistent, but just still just, just not quite there yet. I mean, we've said it a lot. I don't like power, me personally, I don't like power plays where the players are just standing there. I like more movement around. I like more movement in front of the net. Get the goalies moving side to side. Get the defenseman out of position. You know and, what? I mean, play, you know, like that five on three today. Yeah. You know, LA, they just stood in place and they got in the lanes where there was nothing available to even look at. And well, that's you know why I was saying it's like a lot of teams are doing that now. That's why I was saying I'm saying in our group text is that, you know, I think five on three plays down league wide, but it's because teams are just staying in position and not letting anything get through. You know what I'm curious is could technically four players <laughs> and a goalie during a penalty kill just like block up the entire like area of the net? Like technically, wouldn't that like kind of work they well were... there there's no legal defense in the nhl like there's the nba so <laughs> yeah. but but yeah i mean uh, in all seriousness i i think um well i don't know if seriousness is the right word but you know what our our power play reminds me of for this season is uh the old bubble hockey games where like everybody's on the little tracks because that's what it looks like they're like they can only move an inch here and yeah it's it's like somebody's playing bubble hockey and is like you know (laughs) the poster not commercial with dunkin donuts yeah i was just gonna say the poster commercial like hey i need a little help here the puck's in the corner i can't reach it but uh (laughs) you gotta tilt the whole game for for, for the for the the people who you you know so they just gotta shoot it i'm like well if there's nothing to shoot at it's not gonna get through it's like well you can get a deflection I'm like, well, if they're in that position there, generally the puck's going to deflect the opposite way and go out of the zone and head the other way. Yeah. So, uh, so upcoming week is uh, we got this uh, St. Louis game tomorrow, which was the makeup from that first COVID cancellation. Um, and then Thursday and Saturday are, are against the Avs. So hard week coming up, especially coming off a back-to-back away game. Um, so yeah. how good Colorado's been looking lately too. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm honestly scared. Uh, I I will admit that's that could get real bad. <laughs> that was 
I know they just they just traded for a backup goalie, but he, he came from Buffalo. I don't know anything about him. And somebody told me he's no, he's he's terrible. So they probably were just picking up a body just in case something happened. But I mean, imagine if, if Grubar went down. I mean, you can't play him every single game. It's gonna be like we did Flurry the second season. He's gonna get worn down. But it may not matter the way Colorado can score, the way their their defense can defend, and it's yeah, they're they're scary. The, their problem is going to be oh, that even during the playoffs, they have massive and constant injuries. So though a goaltender will get out, go out for them, or or their entire defensive core will go out again, like last season. Like they, yeah. whatever their system is, breaks their people, and this is like been the case since even before like this generation of the Abs. I don't know if that it's just bad luck there, but I feel like the way that they play and their style is just really brutal on their team. Yeah, and I remember somebody saying in the past recently, well, it's got to be the air there, but you, you can't completely blame it on that because Colorado was one of the dominant teams in the 90s and early 2000s as well, too. I mean, they won two cups. So, I mean, yeah, they had Patrick Waugh and, you know, Joe Sackick and Adam Foote and, you know, yeah. players like that and Rob Blake. Look but, at uh, – but look at, like, uh, a few years ago when Varlamov was still on that team – he had groin injuries like every other season. And it was like consistent groin injuries goes to New York, plays a different system. Hasn't had those injuries since Grubauer starts playing for, for uh, Colorado. And in the playoffs last year, he, you could, you watched him on the ice during the playoffs, like pull his groin and completely destroy himself. Um, yeah. I mean, that's when you got to question your strength and conditioning coach there. Yeah. So something, something's weird with, with, some system they have there to, to strengthen and, and condition their, their team or something. I, I don't, I don't know what it is. Maybe it, ha- it does have something to do with the altitude, but I really think there's just, yeah, they overplay, they overwork their players or something. It's, it, I don't know. Um, but I mean, yeah. I mean, you can't, as you know, obviously, you know that we can't rely on injuries happening to somebody, but I think that's kind of picturing that something like that happened to we're really any team, but still it's, I don't want really want to see them in a seven game series when they are fully healthy. You won't see them in a seven game series when they're fully healthy. Cause they'll knock you out before then. <laughs> I went in like five. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so let's take our uh, quick commercial break and we'll be back for a couple minutes afterwards with our around the NHL. Hi, in case you're not from Brazil where we are now very famous, allow us to introduce ourselves. We're Cam. An all Canada division that is Canada. <laughs> the all Canada. Chris. You trade those two guys Scott. for a clone machine and you clone Trent Frederick and you have a whole fourth line of Trent Fredericks. And Drew. Didn't they didn't he drop a Not not like actually take a but the guy said Our podcast kind of definitely started out as a joke and we've decided to keep it that way. But that's why we surround ourselves with smart people who really know what they're talking about. Game and a half that she played, she looked so dominant and just such a good, a good spot on this team. And uh, he'll take off in terms of being more active in the O zone and, and, you know, be more active in the transition game. Because there is so much involved with technical development and physical development and injuries that can really impact it. So, so tune in. The Bruins and Bruins, 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 Bruins podcast in the Hockey Podcast Network podcast presented by Bruins Diehard. Die 
and we're back. So, uh, so yeah, we're, we're just going to you know, rapid fire the, around the NHL stuff. So uh, Dave, I guess I'll, I'll start and we'll, uh, we'll just alternate the, the four of these things we have here. Works uh, for me. All right. So, so Buffalo, uh, they finally, finally, finally fired Ralph Kruger uh, 12 days after, you know, Kevin Adams calls the team out for lack of competitive play. Uh, then Eichel, I think got injured and, you know, Jeff Skinner has like less points than like 95% of the NHL this season so far. Um, so yeah, that I'm sure they're uh, open to whatever, but I, nobody, I, I, if I were a coach, I wouldn't want to go there either. Yeah, no kidding. And I know, I think Eric sent the text, even though it was a typo in the beginning, but they were outscored 47 to 17 through a stretch of games there. It's just like, man, how pathetic can that be? They, I mean, they just you are professional. Like, I mean, you got Rick Taylor Hall, Jack Eichel before he gets hurt. But yet they had, like Eichel had 18 points and he was a team leader or something like that. 18 freaking points. Do you think Eichel will be there lines? next season? I, I don't know. I don't think so. I mean, the, Kevin Adams did say, you know, he's open to anything and everything when it comes to deals at the trade deadline and probably during the summer, just to re, rebuild everything or start over again. But I mean, Kevin Adams, he played in the league too. And it reminds me, I was listening to NHL network radio is part of the problem is with Buffalo too, is that a lot of these teams that have like players that come in as GMs, they have other people around them that have, experience but Kevin Adam doesn't have anybody around him yeah because nobody wants to work there (laughs) I wouldn't want to live in Buffalo during the wintertime either nope all right let's uh oh you take the next one there all right uh Pittsburgh uh and I know you and I we talked about this one quite a bit too is Tanev gets that match penalty for boarding Jared Tenorti of Boston and I'm kind of with you I mean that that looked like a regular body check. It just happened to unfortunately result in an injury because of the way he fell. I mean, I don't think it should have been a penalty at all, personally. It was it was probably charging. It was probably two minutes for charging. If you if you watch the other camera angle, he came from like across the other side of the rink to okay. him. See, I, um, I didn't see that other replay. I just I I don't like that they called it a major specifically for boarding. If there's I don't know what the rule is on charging. If there's a five minute for charging, fine, but don't call that boarding just because he slid into the boards from like twenty feet away. Yeah, the, I don't believe there's a five minutes for charging at all. Just for boarding, yeah, but for charging, yeah. And then they missed know, they, two other actual boarding calls, like the next couple of days. They missed the one with Simic and Reeves, and then they missed another mm-hmm. one with uh, I I can't remember. I think it was like the Habs or I want to, I want to say it was one of the Canadian teams, but they've been missing right. like they've been missing all of these boarding calls. And then they called one that wasn't really truly boarding in my opinion. Yeah. That's what we've been asking for like years and years and years in NHL. Just be consistent with calls, be consistent. Yeah. I know, and I know it's human error, but still. Um, and uh, another thing with um, Pittsburgh as well too, Malkin got placed on IR just when he was starting to hit his stride and, be a dominant player again. So, and you know, Pittsburgh's been playing pretty well. They might be, might be hurting for a little bit here with no Malkin because he's was placed on IR. And I saw another part, it was week to week, but if you're on IR, you're going to be on, on there for what, at least 14 days, isn't it? I thought it was, I thought it was 30, but I could be wrong. No, LTIR yeah, is 30. I'm not sorry. Deep of that. Um, yeah. 
on the note of Pittsburgh, and we don't have to get into this. I know we're we're almost done here, but just just that quick note. I, I think you read the the athletic article from with the interview from uh, Rutherford, right? I read part of it, not the entire thing, but I did read part of it. But you can mention his whole quote about grading, right? Oh, he he was apparently losing Flurry was one of the biggest regrets that he had um, as the GM of the Penguins. Um, and, and it was difficult for him to even make that decision to start, but apparently Fleury asked to go to Vegas. It, he said, if, if I can be, if I have to leave the Penguins, please make sure that I end up in Vegas. So he did all he could to do that. And then during the Dallas playoff round last season, he called Kelly McCrimmon and said, I want Fleury if you move him. Like, let's, if you decide to move him, let's, we will do what it takes to get him here. He moved, he actually, that was the reason that they bought out Jack Johnson which wasn't the only reason he's a terrible, terrible player, but um, yeah. And but yeah, I mean, it, it's just, it shows that, you know, Pittsburgh, I don't think ever really wanted to lose Flurry at all. And no. now obviously they realized they should have given us Matt Murray, which I'm glad they didn't, but no just something funny. And it was in Rutherford was quoted as well too, that, you know, he regretted making that call during the series as well too. So, which is kind of a, a shitty thing to do in the middle of a playoff series. Anyway, you shouldn't really be contacting teams that are still in competition. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it sounds like with flurry, it's very different for him and he probably acts a little bit out of emotion, which you don't want your GM to do. Um, and he even admitted that in that article that he was like, yeah, like I do something I will, I never do. And I will never do again. And that was call another GM during the freaking playoff series. But yeah, I mean, it worked out for the best flurry is, hopefully wins a Vizina this year if he keeps it up. And, uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm happy for him. I, I know we're all a little um, uh, against keeping both just because of cap issues. But right now with the shortened season and then dealing with it for another season after this, I'm on board at this point. Just let the guy retire here after he let him sign for a year at a time or two years at a time at a lower lower salary after his seven millions up. Um, and then let's just keep him till he retires and hang his hang his jersey. Yeah, I was never really fully on board with trading him anyway because, as we knew, it was going to be a shortened season. And I've experienced seasons where the top goalie has gotten hurt and it just completely ruins the playoff chances there. I mean, I get the idea that, you know, that money could be spent elsewhere on the lineup and give us greater depth. But I just like the fact that we have two good goalies that could win us games. Yeah themselves if we don't get the cup this season in my opinion we'll get it the year that if if flurry stays here and he stays at a lower salary like below five million um like say he gets three or four that unlocks three or four um because the cap isn't going to change much over the next few seasons so if the window doesn't happen this season. I could actually see it happening the year after his 7 million is over because that's going to open up some salary. He's still going to be an amazing, probably elite backup goalie at that point. And man, they are going to be unstoppable with that extra cap space. Oh, I completely agree with you uh, there. So um, don't want to see him go because he is, I mean, he's, he's changed his game this year. He's changed his angles. He's changed the way he's played because he knew he needed to. And that's what really good goalies do. I mean, I remember seeing goalies in the past, year they completely changed their game and, you know, they ended up having really good careers at the end of their careers. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, he, he's not going to stop playing 
until at least he beats Luongo out for number of games, in my opinion. For sure. Um, and I, don't I would know love to see him. Would love to see him uh, at least get a Vesna nomination this year because he's never even been nominated for the Vesna. Yeah. Agreed. Um, so yeah, let's let's move on. Just close out a couple of these things. So a couple of season ending, ending injuries, unfortunately. One of them is Oscar Sundquist um, from an ACL, and uh, actually Anders Lee in in uh, the for the Isles also with an ACL, and that sucks. Uh, those are two real good franchise players too. So it just sucks for everybody. I think. Yeah, you you hate to see the star. You hate to see anybody out, but you really hate to see the stars out that really bring people in, and they can perform. And then, I mean, the Islanders are really hurting now, too, because, you know, they they were on a roll for a while and they took over first place. Yeah. A lot yeah. behind Lee's play. Yep. So, all right. Uh, our, our last one here, some some COVID issues here. Boston got paused. I don't know if it was just for one game or how many games. But Boston got paused because they had four players in COVID protocol, um, which makes me wonder – is what is the rules or what is their baseline for canceling games and not canceling games, depending on how many players are in COVID protocol. I mean, Vegas had uh, their games canceled because one player in COVID protocol, Boston had four players in COVID protocol, Detroit had five, but did not have their games canceled. So what the fuck, just because Detroit sucks, and nobody cares about them. <laughs> I don't even know anymore because Vegas also had one where one was positive and they didn't cancel. And then they had one where one was positive and they did. So they didn't even keep it consistent there. I think that they just ran out of time or they are silently been starting to vac- vaccinate people on teams and just haven't. Uh, you could announced. see that. And one of the know about COVID protocol, <laughs> the New York Rangers, their, their coaching staff, wonder what COVID protocol. So they brought the AHL team from the Hartford Wolf back and they go out and beat the living shit out of the tail spilling minute spilling Philadelphia Flyers. Oh man. And, and, and they, so they chased, they chased Brian Elliott and then Carter Hart came in and sucked even worse. What has gone on with Carter Hart this year? Oh my God. He's just, no. they, they took a gamble on a goalie that wasn't developed enough at that age, in my opinion. I, I can agree with that. I mean, you had solid stats last year. Maybe it's the sophomore slump. Like I kind of, you know, he's not exactly a sophomore, but man, it's just the fall from grace there. I mean, he was the chosen one for him. I mean, maybe he can get back to that, but this year, man. Goalies are voodoo though, man. Like look at Flurry. Flurry was not good last season. Like, like statistically it was one of his worst seasons of all time. And then he came back and he's like, hold my beer. I'm going to be the, I'm going to have the best season of all time now. Yeah. All you people think I'm done and you need to get rid of me. There you go. You know what? I I feel like in Fleury's case, he feeds off of like people telling him that he can't still be that good. Um, Like somebody's like, Hey, you're, you're getting older. You're, you're just not going to be that good anymore. And he's like, no, no, no. Since you said that I am going to do this just to make you look dumb. (laughs) Yep, I, I think he completely changed the way he trained, and the, you know the, even though it was a screwed up off season, but the way he trained, the way he cut his angles off, the way he sets in net, and man, it's just, and it, it's it's worked out, it's worked out. Yeah, and now he, that we got Leonard back, you know, get kind of get back to that every other game rotation, have him rested, and then I I see Flurry being number one in the playoffs. Agreed. I I actually hope. 
hope they do it that way. So, um, so yeah, on that note, uh, we'll, we'll have Eric and, and Carla back most likely next weekend. Um, we'll, we'll probably, I, I'm, is, is this weekend the one that Avs games at noon? I think so. Let me look at the schedule again here real quick. Let's see. I got it up here. I think. Yeah, um, so do I. Yep. Sun okay. Saturday's game is at noon. All right, so we'll be recording right after that, so you'll get to hear about the the St. Louis and the Colorado games, and then we'll be headed right back into L.A. and, oh, shit, Minnesota again. So, <laughs> oh, And then man. in St. Louis after that. Yeah, so we do not have an easy next two weeks at all. Um, and, and then we have some easy games. I, I got my vaccine. I'm going to be trying to go to the San Jose game at the uh, end of April, so we'll – We'll see how all that uh, pans out, though, uh, and what the prices are going to look like when they release those, I'm assuming, in the next week or so. Yeah, and eventually, once I get mine here, um, I think I might just save a little bit and wait for the playoffs. Yeah, I, I want to go to one in in the season just because I ended up getting my vaccine so early. Um, but yeah, for the most part, it'll probably be I'll go to maybe one per round. Um for the playoffs yeah. unless we get to the finals then i'm gonna buy every single game if i can <laughs> obviously yeah that's what i would probably do as well i mean i i got my little bank that we put in last year but we'll see what happens here yeah so yeah we'll we'll be back next week uh thanks everybody for listening and uh yeah as always uh we're, we're <laughs> shit i don't know what to say when carlo's not here <laughs> We're, we're always here to teach. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That, that's good. Good enough then. Thanks, everybody. Peace out.